Get the skinny on Cincinnati sports with Richard Skinner only on local12.com on the local 12 news app. Exclusive content, in-depth analysis, podcasts, and more. Cincinnati sports news 24-7. Get the skinny only on local12.com on the local 12 news app. Welcome into the Angry Quarterbacks Podcast. I'm Richard Skinner from Local 12 and Local12.com with the real quarterback, Tony Pike. And joining us via the phone line today, James Rapine from SI.com. We're going to talk about the Bengals and the Joe Burrow injury, the aftermath from that. Where do we go from here? we got some college football to talk about in segment number two, uh, Tony and I do. And then we'll uh, touch on a little high school football with Kentucky still in playoff action coming up in, in segment three. Segment one, though, I'm going to guess will be devoted almost exclusively to the Joe Burrow injury and in, in the aftermath of it. Um... I know the, 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 the first part is everybody wants to point the finger somewhere, and the first finger that gets pointed is at the offensive line. I don't know if that's entirely fair based on the way that injury took place. I'll start with you, Tony. I mean, you've, you've been around the bullets flying. Um, this offensive line had been playing better. He had dropped back 29 times in the first half, got hit on the one where they took his helmet off, and um, yeah. it was a penalty, so he technically had not been sacked. I mean, this line had been playing better. But was it good enough to keep rolling Joe Burrow out there? Uh, no. And th- that starts at the, the top of the organization when you drafted the number one quarterback overall and a guy that could change your franchise for the foreseeable future and you neglected to upgrade at the position that needed that upgrade for the past couple seasons. So you neglected that. Well, you, you did draft Jonah Williams number one the year before. Yeah, you did. But you still had questions with Bobby Hart at right tackle and your guard situation. And I think you felt good about Trey Hopkins, but – you still didn't know what Jonah Williams was going to be. I mean, it's not like you could you could crystal ball that he was going to be a serviceable player. So you let all of that pass. And the the one problem I have from yesterday is people that reach out, well, it's just a freak injury. That happens in football. I think it is. It's not, though. A freak injury is what happens to Dak Prescott. A freak injury is what happens to Tom Brady. Joe Burrow going into yesterday, I don't care. However you say the line's been playing recently, he'd been hit 72 times. He had been sacked 30 times. This was, and even as the game went on, that second quarter, he was getting some hit. He was taking hits. He was starting to feel some pressure. I get running your game plan. I get that you want to go up tempo. He was on pace to throw the ball for 60 times. Yeah, and that's what I want to and, 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 and I get that if you are, if we're, if we're watching the Kansas City Chiefs and Mahomes, that's because the other team's taking away their running game. The Bengals were getting 4.5 yards per carry. At, yeah. at the point when when Joe Burrow went out, so you're th- you're throwing the ball 60 times against a really good defensive front, and your offensive line's not better than their defensive line. So it's almost like you're tempting fate. That's why I that's why I have a problem with it. It's not yes, I I, I, I do think the O line was playing better. That, that's where I go to the apples and oranges, James. To me, it is apples and oranges. I, I'm with Tony on the one part. I think you do a disservice when you have a rookie quarterback dropping back 40 times a game every single game. Um, at the same time, I do think this was a little freaky. I know you're going to probably disagree with that, but just just your overall take on, on is there somewhere to point the finger of blame or is that too easy to do? Well, you're going to have people on both sides, and, and sometimes both sides can be right. It was a freak accident. It was something that, um, you know, if Joe isn't planted on that leg and he doesn't have his weight on that leg, then his leg bends and he's fine, and he falls and he gets back up. and. So that didn't happen, so I get that. At the same time, there were people pre-draft that were concerned about Joe Burrow's health and well-being. He was hit 72 times going into yesterday's game. He was sacked 32 times going into yesterday's game. And so absolutely, 
there are going to be people that are like, well, what the hell is Cincinnati doing and what did you expect? Because at some point, this was going to happen with the number of hits he was taking, with the number of times he was being sacked. And I don't know if there's necessarily a wrong answer. Here's what I do know, that the Bengals organization didn't do enough to protect Joe Burrow. And, yes, the Quentin Spain signing was good. And, yes, uh, you know, they, they've done little things, trading for B.J. Finney, who we haven't seen yet. They've done little things, but they haven't done enough. And we knew that. And each and every week, Richard, you, me, the, the entire Bengals beat has, has talked about the offensive line in one shape or another. And when they're competent, and they've been competent a few times this year, it's a surprise. And unfortunately, it's, uh, it's just the, the reality of it is the bar is so low that competent results in praise, competent play. And that's what they, they had done recently. But that doesn't really excuse the organization for what they did in failing to, to put a above-average line around Joe Burrow. And now he's going to have to have a full offseason full of rehab. And, and it's not necessarily blaming the organization for it. It's just the reality of it with the number of hits I think he was taken. He was bound to get hurt at some point. It just sucks that it's it's this bad. Yeah, and, and I don't want to absolve the organization, but I will say in, in one off season where you decided to spend on defense, um, you weren't going to probably be able to address offensive line. So that's where I go back to. I'm not looking to absolve them of blame, but knowing that you weren't going to be able to fix some things on the offensive line as a coaching staff. How can your philosophy then be, I'm going to Correct. drop this guy back 40 Correct. to 50 times a game? That's where, yes. if I'm pointing the finger of blame, I'm pointing it there. You know, I'll, I'll go back to Achilles Smith, and, and this is, again, apples and oranges, because Achilles Smith, Joe Burrow, is complete apples and oranges. But, you know, there was a lot of complaints about him his rookie year dropping back 40-plus times. Different time, different place, different era. Um, that he wasn't ready to do that. Joe was maybe ready to do that, but he wasn't ready to do that with the offensive line around him. So that's where I would say schematically, I know you're trying to win a game, but at the same time, you also have to, as a coach, protect the investment. Yeah. And that's to me, that does more of a disservice. When, when you knew, listen, you you can't do everything in one offseason when you're this bad. All right? We have to start from that point. And that's, right, where, but, that's where I'm absolving the organization. But what was, what was the, the, the most asked thing that you got when they drafted Joe Burrow, because for me it was, can they can they protect him? Right. Can they protect? Like that that was but day you, one. But you can protect him by not dropping him back that you many can. times as well. And if you go back last week, what were the commentators during the game saying? Well, I'm surprised the Bengals haven't tried to run the ball more on right. this Pittsburgh defense because right. they're just dropping Joe back every play. Like I said, if they're stonewalling you at the line of scrimmage and you're getting two yards per carry, I get it. But it was nine to seven. Third and two, you're backed up into your own end zone. You can run the football. You're Guess allowed. what? You're you're averaging four and a half yards a carry. You can start to sprinkle. You're not down twenty points. You can start to sprinkle in the running game more, and help your rookie quarterback by saying, "Look, you don't have to throw the ball fifty times today. You don't have to throw the ball sixty times today." And now we're in a situation where you lose that, and very quickly you see where this team is at, and it is a. It is a discouraging piece to to watch that game unfold yesterday. Yeah, James, I mean, if I'm pointing the finger, as I mentioned, I'm pointing it more at Zach Taylor and what he does week to week schematically with this guy and, and dropping him back so many times. I, again, I don't want to absolve the front office, um, I, I, but I also think that, listen, there's a lot of other things you can do to protect the guy, and one of them is not throw him 50, 55 times a game. That's 100% correct. They, they were running the ball effectively yesterday. Right. And, and I get it, Joe Mixon wasn't in at the same time, you know, because 
I think if they were running at four and a half yards a clip and Joe Mixon was out there, then they would have kept running it. But I think for you're some right. reason, with this group, it's different. Yeah, I, I, and I, I don't necessarily understand that. But I don't understand why, and, and Zach got defensive, or really offensive. He went on the offensive, uh, when, when asked about his offensive line and if he could do more to protect Burrow. And he said they'd been playing better and they didn't allow a sack in the first half. But towards the end of that second quarter, we saw it. That pass rush was starting to get there. Joe was starting to take some hits. That was a concern of mine. I wrote it in the halftime observations that I had, and it's just the reality of it. They were starting to get to him, and they needed to adjust, and they didn't. And, it's again, it's it was early in the, the, the sec, or second half, but, yeah, Zach Taylor, does he – does this kind of show that, yeah, he doesn't have the personnel to – and this is the scary part, guys. If he could say, well, I didn't have the personnel to run the offense I wanted to, and I wanted to drop him back 50 times, and that's how we were going to win. Well, that's scary because now he's injured because he was dropping back so much right. and, uh, in a position to take so many hits. And I, I thought Piron was running the ball extremely hard. I did too. I mean, he, he looked really good running ball. So, Skinny, let me ask you this. Do you, does this organization now, do they look at, at yesterday as an indictment on Zach Taylor, or do they say – Ah, uh, you know what? It, it's not fair to judge him over the second half of the season without Joe Burrow. Yeah, see, I, I'm going to take the opposite tact, and James, I want you to chime in on this too. I, I'm going to take the tact of, um, let, let's just say for argument's sake, this team doesn't win another game, and that's a fair argument to make uh, when yes. you watch Ryan Finley play. And you're not going to have Joe Mixon for a few more weeks. I would say that 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 a lot of people can win two games with Joe Burrow. I, I want to see if somebody else can do more than that moving forward. Yeah, please. And, and that's the part for me is, look, if he somehow miraculously pulls out two or three wins with Ryan Finley as his quarterback, I'd say, okay, you know what? Pretty good job there, Chief. You're not going to. Um, and, and I just didn't see enough of this offense with Zach Taylor as the head coach and Joe Burrow as the combination. And like I said, I think he did Joe a disservice. I think the, the blame falls mostly to him as a play caller yes. and a schemer. I I do. Um so, so, James, what does this do for Zach Taylor's future then? Oh, that's a tough question. I mean, I, I'm on the same page as you guys that it's, it's clearly the verdict is in. And, and the verdict to me was in before the injury. I don't want to blame the injury on, you know, you know Zach Taylor and then potentially moving on from him because I think he needed to earn his job over these next four weeks starting yesterday with Washington. You had a, a winnable stretch of games kind of show you could – win on the road, win consistently, right. win back-to-back games, all of those things. And odds are he's not going to do any of those. So now it's, well, did he show enough? And again, going into yesterday, for me, the answer was no. And the scary part to me is you, you mentioned the, how active they were in free agency. DJ Reader, Trey Wayne, all these guys. Well, they went down. So the best argument Zach Taylor could say is well our plan was in place and we had a good plan but we were injured and i just hope the organization doesn't let them off the hook that way because i think there are more than just cracks in this foundation and i think we're going to see it over the next six weeks all right so that that's that's the that's a great great segue to what i want to ask so i I think there's little doubt for any of us that over these first whatever 10 11 games i'm losing track now how many ever they played that, that, that Joe Burrow was such a magnetic personality that he brought everyone along with him, whether yes. it was offensive guys, defensive guys. Even Carlos Dunlap, as much of a turd as I think he is, 
tweeted at Joe Burrow yesterday about best wishes and all that, which right. I thought was a, a nice thing look to at, do. Just look at the whole, the whole league yesterday yes, correct. when that happened. So, so I, I think Joe was able to pull this organization along. And it probably saves some of those cracks that you're talking about, James. It kind of masks some of those cracks you're talking about. Now over the last, I'm losing track of how many games left, last five games, six, six. six games, thank you, last six games, do you think players are now going to play for Ryan Finley nope. and play for Zach Taylor? Nope. And I think you're going to see that clearly that they're not going to. And that's enough for me right there. They were playing for Zach Taylor through Joe Burrow or vice versa, for yes. Joe Burrow through Zach Taylor. Joe Burrow I- elevated everyone around this team. Again, the, the social injustice before the season, Joe Burrow had been here for a few weeks. And took the lead. And the team said, we want you to talk. Right. You're our guy. This team, without being provoked, players went out of their way to talk about Joe Burrow in the preseason. That says enough about it was, Joe Burrow. And it was safeties, and it was corners, yes. and it was offensive guards, and it was offensive yes. tackles, and it was running backs, and it was wide receivers, and yep. it was other coaches. And what we talk about last week on this show, the two games where Joe Burrow struggled, this team got blown out. Yes. Joe Burrow masked everything. He masked a bad defense. And you, and you clearly saw the difference yes. yesterday. I mean, oh it was so night. Not that we didn't expect it to be some level of night and day, but, but that was way night and but day, it was, man. Guess what? Ryan Finley holds onto the ball for a half second longer. Yes. Pressure. Uh, Zach. The, the ball's not out in time. Not not much separation all of a sudden from the receiving core. There is there is so much that was masked by Joe Burrow that for a period yesterday, Samaje Piran was was a, a lead running back and looking like it. Yeah, I mean this this offense for two weeks in a row when Joe Mixon was down, we were praising how good the offense looked because Joe Burrow is that good. The announcers, the broadcast, everyone that watches him was amazed at where he's at. And now, holy cow, pull the curtains back and, and good luck because those cracks and, and a guy that I think you're – Sean Williams to me. But he led the team in tackles last year in 2019. Yep. Not seeing the field. The defense looked like it almost quit after the Joe Burrow injury yesterday. I could see him starting to get upset. I could see some of these players on the offensive side of the ball starting to crack. I don't think it's going to be a very fun six weeks. As I say, James, is this maybe the thing where you see whether or not Zach Taylor does have this team and, and keep it together? I think we're going to clearly see it over the last six weeks, whether he has them or he doesn't. Sure, and I, I agree. I think that that's, that's part of it. How hard do they fight? How hard do they play? And, and Sean Williams is a good example, a veteran, a captain, a guy who hasn't played much this year. He, he, was, up for, he, he was up for the coin toss yesterday and barely played. Yeah, it's it, it, it's weird. That, that's one that, especially when you, you struggle to get to the quarterback. And I know this isn't on, on the topic of Burrow, but, but I, I think it's it matters in the locker room because he's well respected. Yes, Von Bell's good at blitzing. You brought him in. How about you let Sean Williams cover a little bit, which is something Bell struggled with at times, and you let Bell blitz. And it's just in it, it, so those are the things, right? Those frustrations that have been kept inside. Of players, they're just going to be like, "Well, screw this! I, I'm angry. I'm pissed off. I'm, I'm I'm tired of it. I'm not going to deal with it." And and I think that that's that's part of it. Now, all of that stuff you said about Burrow, if I'm Zach Taylor, I say, "Hey, I got this out of Burrow. I I, I was able to, despite a weird off season, despite not meeting him in person from February when I saw him at the combine." until uh, a few weeks before training camp, I, I was able to get a lot out of him, and he was going to be the rookie of the year, and we were going to win five to six games and be trending in the right direction. And because he got injured, 
we can't. So give me another year. Give me some pieces on the offensive line. I think that's his best argument regardless of these final six games. And so what does that mean, fellas? It means the pressure is on the organization to have the foresight, to have the um, the self-awareness that they cannot do that. Because if they do that, ooh, you saw some of those years when they decided to bring Marvin back. Oh. I think if they do that, that's going to be – that's going to be rough on this fan base, even with a healthy Joe Burrow. Yeah, and, and you're making the case as Zach Taylor, James, and, and if it's me, I'm going to make the case backwards of you didn't get that out of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow got that out of Joe Burrow, right. and Joe Burrow brought everybody with him. I, I know what you're saying, and I think that's that's the argument, if I'm him, I'm going to make. But I do think it's going to be very clear-cut over the last six games. Who's in, who's out, and I got a feeling you're going to have way more <laughs> that are out than are in. All, all of a sudden, those bumps and bruises become a lot more over the next six All of a weeks. sudden, I stopped following COVID-19 protocols. Yep. Yep. We, we talked about this with college kids. You know what? Rough, I'm going out. Screw it. I'm, 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 I, can't, I can't deal with this anymore. I need a drink. I'm going out with my buddies. You're also playing against teams where it matters. As crazy as it is, right. it matters for New York and Dallas still. It matters for the Miami Dolphins. It doesn't matter to you. It doesn't matter to the Bengals. Right. But they're going to have to match intensity, and we've already seen they don't do that very well. Yeah. So again, it may matter to Houston. Correct. Right. Yeah. At that point, it could it matter to Houston. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And 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 uh, James, you brought this up on our, the, the the Bengals brawl. I mean, you want to look into the future. Deshaun Watson's come back from an injury like this, and kind of in the situation of the franchise saying, "Hey, it's all on you." Right. Good luck, Deshaun Watson. Right. That cannot be what happens to Joe Burrow. Like, if if this isn't the wake up call. From the top down to say we got to adjust some stuff, we, we yeah, can't, no, let, this be the, can't yeah. let this be the case, right? And I, I don't know, then it never will be. be. No, I think that you're right. It and, never, and, it never and will that's be. How, sorry, no, you're good. That's how this becomes a positive, and I get it. It, it feels right now like it isn't, and obviously it isn't. You never want to see an injury, but if Mike Brown and Kitty and Troy Blackburn, and specifically them two, I think, realize, all right. We need to make some changes, and maybe that starts with Zach. Maybe that starts with Duke. I, I don't. I don't know. But, but we need to make the, these big changes, and and find the right guy to lead this franchise, the right person to lead this franchise, and then go from there. And and then that means going and getting Sewell from Oregon, who looks just like a, a beast. Or or maybe that is just being really aggressive in free agency and trading back. Who knows? But we're going to build around Joe Burrow. We're going to get a coach in here that can hit the ground running day one. Because I wrote this last week. It, guys, it shouldn't take two years. It's 2020. It doesn't take two years to realize whether or not you got the guy at coach. Right. You know, whether or not you had the right head coach. The Miami Dolphins knew at the end of last season. With a, a bad roster, with a veteran quarterback, with the team, Brian Flores goes 5-4 and four in the final nine. So the fact that Zach Taylor's 4-21-1, it should be done. And so if this injury is what pushes this organization to find the right coach and to build a, an offensive line, and not just that, but, but to just be aggressive and really address things that they need to address, get out of the past, and, and find a guy that's capable. Because I, I think Zach is – I don't think there are as many people bought in as he would lead you to believe. No, I, I think I that agree there's that. a I, lot of – a lot of cracks there. No, that's so, why I, I think guys were bought into Joe Burrow. That, that's yeah. the point. They were bought into yeah. Joe. I want to. I want to play with Joe Burrow. It, it, and that's the thing. Now, is you can, even with this injury, I think you can take your organization and say, "Hey, we have Joe Burrow. Let's use him to get the coach. Let's use him to get 
the necessary free agent. Let's use him to get because he'll recruit. I guarantee you, he's going to be on board with hey, hey, come come block for me in Cincinnati. Let's roll. Let's do this thing, and, and that'll matter to, to free agents. That'll matter to to young guys that want to come play. So I, I think if you can take advantage of this, and this becomes. All right, the, the organization looks in the mirror, realizes what it has, and wants to take advantage of it. Then it can become a positive long term because, as Tony said, Deshaun Watson's recovered from it. Tom Brady. I, I mean, I mean, there, there are countless quarterbacks. I mean, Alex Smith almost lost injury. his leg, <laughs> right? And, and have and have been okay, and have had great, great careers. I, I think it's I think it's simple as the organization step forward for Joe Burrow. Thirty-two sacks already. Um, Patrick Mahomes' rookie year, he was sacked 26 times. So the, the, the offense knew that they had something special. And that, that offense in 20, or the defense in 2018 for Kansas City wasn't very good. No. They made sure to sure up Patrick Mahomes in the offense. Peyton Manning as a rookie was sacked just 22 times, and he broke the interception record for a rookie. But they made sure they protected him. Andrew Luck, who people have compared Joe Burrow to, was sacked 41 times as a rookie. You, you have to do your work on the front end. And that's why I said for this organization, whatever it takes, from now until when we see Joe Burrow back on the field, better be a, a different look on the offensive line. And, and, and let's be honest, a different feel. Zach Taylor, even when he hired the man, went to bat for Jim Turner when some people questioned it. And the offensive line struggled last year. And the offensive line has struggled at times this year. And Zach Taylor... Still goes out of his way yesterday after your franchise quarterback goes down. Well, the offensive line's been playing better. Okay. They've still given up 72 hits. They've still struggled at times to protect. I know that sacks always don't mean, you know, that the quarterback's not getting hit, not getting put on his back. He's taking hits. He's taking more hits than any other rookie since Daniel Jones in 2000. So, all of those things being said, like like it just goes back to me that that if this isn't the wake-up, and, and smell the coffee moment for this organization that something needs to be done, then you know what? Then enjoy the next two and a half years of Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, and he'll move on elsewhere. Yeah, fifth-year option, but yes. yeah, yeah you're, Three and a half years. Yeah, points, points well taken, and, and probably not even much of next year either. I mean, even coming back from that knee injury, I can't imagine. Second half Second of the half, year, maybe, yeah. if you're lucky. So I think that's the other part. Um, I mean, are you going to let Zach Taylor flap in the wind for a 1-7 start with Ryan Finley or whomever as your quarterback? Or do you start the process rolling with a new coach, knowing that he's dealing with already do, a bad hand? Do you think he misses the first half? Oh, I do. I mean, I, dude, usually those injuries are – that's that's a year. I mean, it usually is a full year. Gio Bernard came back from it. I think it took Gio a full year. Um, and if we're talking full year, we're talking second half of next year. Yeah. And at that point, but, if you're well, Gio came back quick. I mean, he was he was crazy quick. But I, I mean, I get it. At that, at, if if he, I don't know. If you're one and six, do you bring him back next year? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I yeah, I don't. It's a lot of obviously and what the, if questions. And the the only other thing now going forward with after watching Ryan Finley bounce pass five passes yesterday and look lost in the pocket, you need to go find a veteran backup because too. we talked before the season when Joe Burrow was drafted about. We, we mentioned Joe Flacco. We meant, you know what, just a guy to have in that meeting yeah. room. And the Bengals didn't do it. They, they sat there with their guys. I think some of it was Zach Taylor wanted he and, yes. he and Brian Callahan's voice yes. to be the only one these guys heard and, now, and not some veteran from elsewhere that comes in and goes, hey, man, we didn't do it like this in Baltimore, Chief. So what do you do now at this point? Do you just ride with Ryan Finley the rest of the year? Or do you say, look, I, I, I oh, can't see that. Year, yes, yeah, the rest of this year, absolutely. Man, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's, it's, well, you're, well, you're, Zach you're, is – 
Go ahead, James. Zach might not might not want to ride with Ryan Finley, but he's the guy who wanted Ryan Finley. That's right. Like you guys said so. Like if he comes to me, if I'm Duke Tobin or I'm, I'm Mike Brown, and he's like, "Oh, let's go get a veteran so we can win some games down the stretch," I'm like, "That's your boy. You, you, you win games with your guy. That's your guy. That's the guy you wanted. You got him." Yeah, I think especially with, with the fact you're in intensive protocols right now and you can't do a lot of on-field stuff, I think it's awful hard to okay, bring so, somebody in. So let's let's say this is a, a year-long rehab for Joe Burrow. You've got you've to address it in the offseason. No question. Okay. No question. Yeah, absolutely. If you're selling that you're going to compete. Yes. Uh, James, I want to touch on one other injury that, that, that it's been lingering, and then Saturday comes the decision to put Joe Mixon on IR. Uh, you were on the conference call like I was with Zach Taylor on Friday. He talks to us for briefly coming off the field to kind of give some last-minute injury updates, etc. Uh, we've continually gotten on a, on a Monday or a Wednesday. We'll see how Joe progresses through the week. He's making progress. Um, they chose not to put him on IR initially. So what do you make of this decision? This is another one that, that scr- makes you scratch your head, doesn't it? It's a fumble. <laughs> <laughs> how did they not put him on injured reserve and? let's just give him a week, right? After week seven. Well, let's just say after the week six injury, they wanted to give him some time. Fine and with that. See where it was. Okay. Fine with that. Well, why didn't they? they? They Because they thought he was coming back. And, and that's what I, I really wondered. Did, did he, one, have a setback? Or is this medical staff that far off? And if it's, if it's the latter, that's pretty scary. And if it's the former, then fine. Setbacks happen with injuries. I wish he would have acknowledged that with us, but yes. you know that, that is what it is. So I, uh, I I certainly do question it though, because when you look at Geno Atkins and them not putting him on injured reserve, then he misses four games and really misses well more than a month. And then Joe Mixon here, he's going to miss probably, especially given the state of the team now, he'll probably be out for more than two months before returning if he returns. If he returns, and the first half of that will be spent on the active roster instead of on injured reserve where he could have uh, potentially gotten healthy. It's weird. And, and it's weird with Joe. Like, they didn't hesitate with some of these other guys to put him on injured reserve. You know, Sam Hubbard, think about how quickly they did that with him, and he returned. Mike Daniels, all these different veterans. But then Mixon and Geno, they just waited and waited and waited, and it, it, it kind of bit him because Geno certainly doesn't look like the his normal self still. And Joe Mixon's going to be out for two months at least. Yeah, I think for Gino, honestly, I thought he checked out from the get-go. And I think part of it's he's just simply checked out. You noticed him out. yesterday for jumping off sides. He did have one tackle. I made sure to look at that. He did have one tackle yesterday. Oh, it's a product. It, it's one tackle for, for now 11 weeks worth of work. If we, we talked about this a little bit at the end of last year. What, what's, what's the motivating factor now to return if you're injured? Pride. I mean, yeah. pride. You have two wins. Your your starting quarterback's not in there. Right, right. And if it, you're it, Joe it, Mixon, or if you're Joe Mixon's agent, you're like, okay, your offensive line's dude, bad. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Th- Finley, this guy stinks. You're going to get absolutely killed. They're going to give it to you 30 times a game, yeah. and you're going to get you start killed. making business decisions. No, I you I, got I, paid. I fully get you it. Got right. your money, right? And again, and that's I, where I think you you have to clean house and just start fresh. Yep, and, you, and you I have go, to start. I fresh. go back to yesterday, and after Joe Burrow's injury, there's a shot of Zach Taylor with the team huddled around him, and he's screaming. Washington scored in four plays. Yep, quite the motivator. Didn't 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 really <laughs> didn't didn't really take to that motivating speech from their head coach. And you know, I I just and I I watched that and I'm like, you you can't you can't go back to war next year with that guy as your coach. You can't. 
I, I just don't think there's going to be buy-in. I think, and I think it's going to be clear-cut over the last six weeks. I, I really believe that yep. you're going to Look see at, how much Joe Burrow meant not only as a player, but yeah, just the I, personality. I mentioned this to James last night. Look no further than the AFC North at what teams in the AFC North do. They make sure to protect their quarterback. Baker Mayfield this year. Their offensive line was terrible last year. Baker's been terrible. He's only been sacked 15 times. And and they, they chose to run, run yes. a power running game, and, Big and, and that ben, masks it a Big lot. Ben, who can't move anymore, has only been sacked 10 times. Lamar Jackson is, is different because of their yeah, offense, right. and they've lost a ton on the offensive line, but he's been sacked 24 times. Okay, so and Some of that's probably him extending plays, yes, too. But but just look no further than the AFC North, because that's where you got to compete, right? Yeah. Look what they've done. Look where they've made things a priority. All good coaches. I mean, you're, you're not one-on-one. You're not out scheming with Zach Taylor as the guy. Any you coach got, in the got, AFC you, North. You got two Super Bowl champions. Correct. And, and, and a guy in his first year doing a pretty good job. In, in a his place first that year. No one's ever done a good that job. That is seven and three <laughs> with Baker Mayfield being garbage this year. But get, but guess what? He has the background and the pedigree to say, I get it. I, I can see where, where Stefanski's going to install what he needs to install. Zach Taylor is not the best head coach in his own city by a landslide. I would agree with that. I'm not sure he's the best coach in the GCL South. I think I've said that before, too. All right. <laughs> James, a, 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 um, any final thoughts for you, James? Is, is there a scenario outside of him winning a few games where they could bring him back? Because uh, I, I read I, – I was like, they knew in 2018, we can't bring Marvin back. Right. Like, we read that. We knew that. Right. And, and to me – I've reached that point with Zach, and whether it's fair or not, because of its injury or not, it, it, to me it doesn't matter because you can't waste year, year two. You know, you can't go into a third season here with him with five wins. That's Hugh Jackson territory in Cleveland. Like, you just – at some point you can't overcome what you've already built. And to your guys' point, today, is it realistic to expect not only Zach Taylor – to overcome this injury and keep the locker room together this season, but to outcoach Mike Tomlin, to outcoach John Harbaugh, to outcoach Kevin Stefanski, who to you guys, to your guys' point, has already flashed plenty. They could lose the rest of their games in Cleveland this season, and it feels like they got their guy. It's never felt like that with Zach Taylor. No. And he got a pass in year one, and I get it. There was some adversity in year two. It doesn't matter. Those are the breaks when you're an unproven coach with no track record and you get a head coaching job. You have to prove it quick. And if you don't, then you're out after a year, maybe two. And he got two years. He got the number one pick, and he blew it. And that's that's the reality of it. So barring a 4-2 and two ending to this year, which is almost nearly impossible, impossible. in my mind, impossible. I don't really know how, uh, how you retain him. Yeah, um, I, I think, but to answer the way you, you asked the question, Knowing the way they operate, it, it's it's it would not shock any of us if they brought him back. It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Yeah. But in in a world of, you've seen what you can do with a rookie quarterback pay scale. You have to. You have a very small window to be extremely successful, and if not, then then, then you are you're now you're you're bound to this mediocrity or, or below even a level of mediocrity. And look, outside of Joe Burrow, I will say this: it was it was good to see AJ Green get into the end zone. It just it felt like the weight of the world lifted off his shoulder. It was also bad to watch Randy Bullock. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, because I'm not giving him a free pass. I can give him a free pass for the 58 yarder. 
Not right? giving a free pass for but, the way he started the game. But not for the extra point in the 33 Holy yard, moly. yard shank. Um, all right, James, we appreciate it. Uh, hopefully we'll have you back in studio here uh, coming up. Um, these last six weeks are going to be really, really tough for all of us, I think. <laughs> Happy holidays. Happy holidays, uh, I, Cincinnati. I, I can't wait to see your two faces oh, in person man. next week. Yeah. Okay. 2020. What are you? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in my house. I look forward to Bengals Sundays, and now we get this. Yeah, well, six more weeks in 2020 will be bygone, and this this season will be bygone, and maybe Zach, Zach Taylor will be bygone as well. <laughs> so there we go. James, thanks very much. We'll talk about coaching candidates next week. That's, thanks, probably, that's probably right. That's James Rapine from SI.com who joins us on the Angry Quarterbacks podcast. When we continue, we're going to talk some college football Thank where UC Lord. got a very – impressive win but almost botched it at the end we'll talk about that and where things may come tomorrow when the college football playoff rankings are out on tuesday that and much more as we continue it's the angry quarterbacks podcast from esp media powered by sidearm sports getting answers finding solutions local 12 news investigates as soon as we called you everything happened very quickly not afraid to ask the tough questions taking action getting the truth local 12 news investigates Welcome back into segment two of the Angry Quarterbacks podcast. I'm Richard Skinner from Local12, Local12.com. James Rapine from SI.com has stepped aside. We'll see him next week, but appreciate him chiming in with the uh, the, the Joe Burrow uh, talk in segment one. And, of course, the real quarterback, Tony Pike, is with me from uh, UC Reading High School and wearing his Carolina Panthers Super Bowl 50 three-quarter zip today. It's sharp. It's a nice organization got you there. Yep. How about nice that? Nice organization. Took care of former players and – Quite, quite frankly, probably the closest I'll be to a Super Bowl in my life. I, I still think, though, you got that from your Sports Illustrated subscription. That's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice, right, though. Is it? Is it velour? What, 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 what? You don't get that Nike swoop right there. That's a good point. That's Sports real. Illustrated. And it's got it's got the gold fifty uh, oh, logo that, on for Super Bowl fifty. That's the authentic Super Bowl uh-huh. logo. That's it's sharp. I'm not going to lie to you. It's very good looking. You know, they they felt that the groundwork had been had been laid in previous years. From, and they from, wanted from to guys like yourself. Teams. From guys like yourself. They don't get Cam Newton in, in his MVP years if it, we didn't be the worst team in football. That's exactly right. You helped that. You're didn't welcome. You? you and Jimmy Clausen. Yes. Combined. Brian St. Pierre for a game. In St. Pierre, the was it Boston College product, <laughs> yep. I believe? Yeah. Yep. There we go. All right. Um, let's talk some college football. Uh, you see on Saturday, it wasn't the impressive wins that we saw over Memphis and Houston and SMU in that. But I don't think it was going to be. I never thought it was going to be. I think it was just go there and win. And down 14-3, to I thought, see what you're made of now. Because I think you had mentioned it maybe, I think you had Dan Hort on, what day, Thursday on, yeah. on ESPN 1530. I think you were talking about, hey, big thing here, get a lead, play yeah. from ahead. You know, don't feel like you have to play catch up. I thought they did a pretty good job down 14-3 to of continuing to trust our defense Man. is good enough to get stops. Let's just keep doing what we do. How about the start? You drop two punts. Right. Um, you have seemingly 10 offsides penalties on the first few drives. You're so amped up. And UCF, I mean, I remember looking like, man, we give up 11 points a game and they got 14 this quick. And that's a good offense. There's and no it, question it's, about that. I mean, and they, they still held them to almost 250, 280 right. yards below Less, their average. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're watching it 14-3, and it wasn't like it clicked right away. The offense sputtered a little it bit. It did. And I think it was three possessions in a row the defense had to get a stop. On the field at 14-3 got right. a stop. And then you start to see UC kind of find their footing. And then you start to see Des Ritter get into rhythm. Josh Wiley was an animal. He was great. Leonard Taylor was great. Other than the drop in the uh, flat. Other than the drop. Um, and Jared Dokes, man, not just the way he ran the ball, he picked up multiple blitzes that allowed Des Ritter to stay in the pocket when UCF was like, hey, we got we to move him. We got to get him off his – and they did. And, look, 
I know that that leaving the game, you say, man, a three point win. When you're st- trying to win with style against a team that's lost twice, you need to win with more flair. They got out of there with a win. Uh, yeah, and that, that, that's the part for me. I, look, I, I think there's certain times you do, and there's certain times and, you yeah, go, you and, know what, you just beat a good football team on the road, not playing your best at times. Right, and, but that, that's the only problem with me is that the people that, that vote and the people that make these decisions don't sit there and watch every aspect I, of the I game. I understand that. They just see, oh, they won by three. They don't see how, how they fought and clawed and going into the fourth quarter trailing and, and – being down at the end of the first quarter, and, and they fought back, and they continued to fight. Marcus Freeman, uh, the, the job he's done with that defense, man, like you said, that that is a heck of an offense. It's a great offense. That UCF has. The schematically, they're great. Yes. The uh, tempo, I, I don't even know if talent-wise they're that great. He just Josh Heupel no. spreads you out. The tempo they play with. The tempo with, they play with, They put yes. you in so many odd situations. I mean, they literally are making you defend sideline to sideline and then be able to tackle in between the tackles. Yep, That's hard to do. And on on top of everything, they come up and they jumped on you early. And you were able to weather the ship on the road with fans in attendance. And on on the TV, you could hear it. It was loud there. Yes, it was. With all of that being said, this team, they they, they settle down, they do their job, and, and they come out and Barring the the last possession of the game, where I don't know in what in the world was going on, we're going to talk about that here in a second. Um, it, it was it, yeah, it, it was another impressive impressive game. Yeah, the, the drive to start the second half, they start nineteen seventeen. They, they they literally just said, "Here we come, stop us." And it, unfortunately, when they settled for the field goal, I, I, there's two parts of me said, "All right, that's UC football that I that I'm I I know. That's a great way to start the second half. Kind of right. sucks you left four points out there. Then though, to, to fall back behind." Yeah. And to rally back again, see that, that tells me a lot about a well, team. It point, really does. At that point in my mind, like, man, you just took seven minutes off the clock. I, I thought that was the perfect way to start it the second perfect, half, other than leaving four then, points off the board. But then you didn't score seven, and they come down the field yes, and score. bing. And I'm like, and now I'm starting to think, like, well, we just took seven. There's not even enough, a lot of time left in yes. this game. Like, now every possession's important. And then at the start of the fourth, Derek Forrest gets the big interception. That was, that was, it was a fortunate break to some degree, but yes. I think that's what good defenses do. They yep. they kind of lay in wait, and the wasn't a great pass. And but hey, you got to make the play on the tip drill, and he did. And, and you talk, and, and it's very easy in a in a high emotional game to get some calls to not go your way and to let that affect you. Yep. I don't think they got one call. There was a there was a a first down spot. Yes, that they didn't even look at. No, I, I was, and the runner landed in front of the line. No and I'm question. Like, We're just. And Luke Fickle's losing his mind. I'm like, man, they, 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 they fought every single element in that game, and they, they come out on top. All right, you talked about winning with flair and style, and I think we agree that there has to be some style points to it. I think they've done that at times this year. So that said, and I understand from a sheer football perspective at times why it is best served to take that knee mm-hmm. at the one-yard line. If Jared Dokes was going in to make it a seven-point game, kicking to make it eight, giving – uh, USF sometime on the clock to go down, score, get a two, etc. Then I'm all for that, and I'm not pointing the finger at Jared Dokes. I don't know whose decision that was. It may, it may have had been to, his, had his had own. To have come from the the offensive side. I think it did too because I think you saw over the next two plays that they were very. Cons- I, I thought they had gotten it to the point on fourth and inches that you go ahead and sneak for the touchdown. At that point, now it is two point. It, you you've taken more time off the clock. It is a two score game. You milked this perfectly. Yeah. But that touchdown then takes it from a double-digit win, and then you almost have the buffoonery of buffooneries oh on the last play. Can you imagine if that ball squirts out and it pops one out time? And you lose. It's the worst loss because it is literally one history. bounce up, and the guy, whoever yep. it's going to be, is and, gone. 
and the way Ritter and Dokes were jumping on it, if it just squirts there's out, there's nobody else to no run one down. There. Yeah, there's it no is one a else to run down for yeah. UCF. Here's my thought, and I think what in the world are we doing there? I think bro? Luke Fickle realized it after Dokes went down because they they tried to score the next play. It was, yeah, it was but, a but run up the middle. Right. Why didn't you try to score then on the fourth down play? Why not go under center? I think center? they were trying, but I think they were. I think that was okay. going to be a zone read. Okay, maybe. It was okay. just a bad snap. Uh, okay, all right. Um, because I, I originally thought, like, he's going to snap it, and they're going to he's going to go back three or four yards and then take it. Well, that's knee. what I thought was going to happen, too. But I'm the, with you. That's but the exactly way the offensive line came off the ball on that and the way that Doak started, yeah. I think he was going to hand it off because I think – Fickle realized like there's still going to be a second or two on the on the clock. Even that's dicey in my opinion. Yeah. I mean the Here's, mesh point gets to me. Put your guy under center. Put him under center. And they already scored like that before right. and just reach right. over the pylon. Right. I. It's less risky to me. Here's my thing. If UCF's out of timeouts and that was second down for UC and Dokes got a first down, and you can just take a knee and win it. Great. Yes. The numbers say do that. The numbers did not say do he that. He had my man with the charts. He oh, had the charts out over there. That chart was that. There's misprint on the chart. <laughs> <laughs> and it's twofold, Skinny. It's one thing. You know what? Go win by double digits on the road See, when that, you didn't and, play your best. And that's the other part, too, is the style point part Yes, of it. there is there is style points that come, and we'll see, I'm sure, when the rankings come out tomorrow, the first right. college football playoff rankings, we'll see that they'll be disrespected again in some way or another. It just – too many things can go wrong when you can't just get under there and take a knee. And we saw it. No doubt. You could fumble. That's you could said, have a I, bad I, snap. I just, even if you're running a zone read – you know, occasionally that mesh point gets messed up. Yep. Did you think I was supposed to clamp down? Right. Did I pull it at the wrong? I mean, they had a red zone turnover last week at home against ECU. It is. They're lucky that they got out of there with that win because it was mis- the 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 end of the game was mismanaged. Yes. And I mean, it it is. It's it's great to get that win. And now looking back after you secure that win, you start to think like, man, it'd have been great to to win by double digits. Yeah, that that would have felt. Just a an, lot from a, better from a visual standpoint. Yeah, to say, man, we didn't play our best and still beat we them, beat by, them by ten. Yeah, beat them by eleven. Like that is in a, their house. That's a big statement. I agree. And if your defense is what we all know it is, you shouldn't be worried about giving up two scores in fifty. You're, seconds. you're not giving up two scores in fifty. Seconds. Like let's you're, let's you're, be you're, honest. You're not. You're, you're, you're too good in the secondary. Correct. You're too good correct. at tacklers. Correct. It's not going to happen. No. So um, it was a great win, and I, I just just I, almost just a messy finish. Messy finish, and I just worry if that. That snake bites them a little bit at the end. Yeah, I, that, that's that's my fear a little bit as well. Before we go on to, to look at the college football playoffs, I know there was some talk last week of, of UC and BYU and should they face off. Um, and BYU played a bad North Alabama. Did UC got help, though. Yeah, a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I'll, we'll get to that here in a second. I, I, I will say I'm not sure I see if that was ever going to take place how that benefits UC in the long run. I think it benefits BYU I think, more. I think it benefits I, BYU a lot more because their resume just isn't I even, great. So what I think, I think they're a good team. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I've watched them enough. I think they're really good. Well, there's a report out now that, that Washington tried to schedule BYU. Yeah, and, and the Pac-12 is looking for yeah. non-conference games. And BYU games. said, I, I don't know right now. And It's like, okay, offers off the table. But at that point, that would have been big for BYU. That would have gave them a, a, a yeah. head up on UC. They kind of turned it down. Um I think when the first rankings come out, I think BYU will be ahead because it's it's right. what you've done so, to this so, point. So, so let's let's get there as a jumping off point. So let's just but, go but, down the. But to go, that point, real yeah. quick, um, the UC Tulsa game was moved to open a date. To open a date by the AAC, it was a date. I think it's December fifth. It was December fifth, moved to December twelfth. Yes, and and BYU and UC were both open on the fifth. Yes. I don't I don't know the I think I know USC and Oregon are playing. 
Yeah, I'd um, have to look at what the Pac-12 schedules that's, are. That's, that's, what, that's, that's what UC would have had to do to schedule a good Pac-12 team. Yeah, and I don't want to schedule Arizona or no, Arizona State. Because that's I not going to do enough for you. Right, and it could, could harm you. And right, I mean, it's yes. the flip side of it. It yeah. does so, you more harm than good. It, it to me, was Because hey, the Pac-12 a, isn't even in the conversation, in my opinion, yet. The only thing I can see is if... Both teams are just disrespected tomorrow at the rankings. Yeah, and, that they, if you're Luke and maybe Fickle, that leaves the opening for that date. That if you're Luke Ficker, you're like, to John Cunningham, the AD, we have to do something or else we don't have a chance. Like If, if something crazy tomorrow happens, like Miami of Florida is ahead of UC or something, you have to do it. You have to find a way to jump people. But not BYU. I'd have to go to the Pac-12 and find me a Pac-12. Yeah, a Power 5 opponent. Yeah, that, 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 that would be the part for me. All right, so l- l- let's go down – where where you think we're going to be tomorrow. Let's see where we would slot UC. No question Alabama, which just embarrassed Kentucky, and I'm, I don't even know if I want to go there to this point. I, I thought Kentucky was past games 60, like then. 60, 60 points. 60 points. And honestly, it, it, it could have been worse. I mean, it really could have been worse. All right, so I think we both agree Alabama's clear-cut number one. Yes. Correct? Yes. I, I, I'm going to swallow hard when I say this, but Notre Dame is number two. And I'm swallowing hard with that, but I'm putting Notre Dame at number two. What say you? Yeah, at this point, Notre Dame is my number two. I'm going to put Clemson at three. I, I think Ohio State consistently on defense hasn't done enough yet. I'm going to put him four, mm-hmm. but I, I think Clemson still gets the out because of no Trevor Lawrence. But now I say that, and if Ohio State fans listening can go, yeah, but you know Trevor Lawrence doesn't play defense, and look what Notre Dame did to that defense. That's that's fair. That's fair. I just haven't seen enough. From Ohio State defensively. Certainly not after what Not Penix after did. dude throws through those for five hundred yards. If he had gotten another full possession, might have gotten him yep. over six. Yep. Yeah. Now I am going to put Ohio State at, at four, and I feel good about that. And I think they're going to run the table, beat Northwestern in the championship game. I don't know if the resume is going to make me go wow, but I also they passed the eyeball test to me. All right. So then we get to five, and this is where I'm putting Cincinnati. I know that's not going to happen. I think probably it's going to be Texas A and M. And I've made the case that I, I I just can't I can't fathom them being in the in the college football playoff if they lose one game, don't play in the SEC championship game, and their one game is a twenty eight point loss to Alabama. I'm sorry. Who do you think does wind up? Not who a who would you put at five, and b who do you think winds up at five? I, th- I think Florida winds up at five. That's maybe fair because they played because they played didn't and, exactly and, look great. Right. Um. It's it's hard. That's for probably me. fair. I think A and M Florida sit at five six. I think that's what they do. They're gonna they're gonna. They're I gonna think you're favor, probably right. They're gonna favor the the power five. And Mo Egger made this point last week, and it, it's it's stuck with me. In anything, if you just follow money, you're gonna be pretty successful, no doubt. And what Mo Egger told me on the on Cincy three sixty last week is that each team that represents their conference in the college football playoff gets six million to that conference. Yes. If you're the Power Five, which is who runs the college football, you're playoff, shutting out the Group of Five. You, if 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 the SEC can get twelve million, you're doing that. You're not throwing six million Especially at the American this Athletic year. Conference, right? That that is my concern because as it sits, I think UC comes out and they're probably sitting at seven, eight. Um, Here, here's my question: Even though Oregon hasn't played many games, Oregon does have cachet as a name. Yes, Oregon is three and zero off the off the jump. Um, can't maybe penalize them for not playing as many games. I'd be disappointed if Oregon's ahead of UC tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't if be Oregon's surprised. Be- I wouldn't be surprised if Miami, Florida's ahead of UC. Yeah, you one made loss, that point. One loss to Clemson. Yeah. They're seven and one. And there's another team that might be creeping up. And I don't know if they can sustain it. 
Northwestern? Yeah, I don't I don't think they've done enough. I mean, they dominated Wisconsin defensively. They, they did. They're fi- they're I think the question is how good is Wisconsin? Look, I, I think what Northwestern's done is great. Peyton Ramsey's made a world of difference for that football team. Pat Fitzgerald's done a great job with that program. They're 5-0. And oh. They get Michigan State. They'll still play Indiana. Oh, I think, I think they They'll were... get to the Big Ten Championship. Yes, yes. And here's... Here's here's my biggest, and that's where, that's where if you follow the money part of it, I don't think it happens tomorrow. But if yeah. they keep winning, you see them creep up because yeah. then at the very least, the Big Ten has two slices of it potentially. The ACC has potentially two slices. Here's the SEC potentially. So one of those potentially has two slices, and you shut the the group of five out, and that's disappointing. Here's my worry, is that in the Big Ten, you have to play six games to qualify for the Big Ten championship. Ohio State that's now cool. plays. Illinois, Michigan State, and Michigan. and Michigan. What do those three teams have in common? They stink. They're terrible. Although, what did we talk about? What does I tell you about Nebraska but, losing at home to, to Illinois? But what we talked about last week, the worry of some of these bad teams not following their COVID protocols and getting COVID. If one more of Ohio State's game is canceled, that would put them at 5-0. and Yeah, I think the league would probably figure out a way to get them a sixth game. Which would be tough at, in, in the last minute. Well, if somebody else cancels at the last so, minute, then you you maybe take that opponent and or, plug them into that place. Or does the Big Ten use that and say, five when Ohio State is in, and whoever wins the Big Ten championship wow. will get in. Wow. Wow. I, I, I don't think the college football playoff committee would go with that. I think they'd go with Ohio State, and that would be that. But if it's, if it's Northwestern, I know. that makes it. And Ohio State only gets five games. So who would get the nod over Ohio State? Someone else from their side. I think at that, st- at that stage, you may get the one-loss Texas A&M ahead of them. Maybe. Right. But if it's, but I'm saying if, if Northwestern runs the table I mean, I, I, and doesn't have to play Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. I mean, Ty, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I was so optimistic of UC having a chance to get into this when the season started. And I know the, the, that was at the point of the Big Ten not being mm-hmm. involved. I was even more optimistic, though. I was still optimistic even when the Big Ten got involved. And they've done nothing to dissuade me. And listen, I am, I am, you know, my only tie to them, to the program is is being a Cincinnati and Northern mm-hmm. Kentucky. And I went to the University of Kentucky, so that's where my allegiance they lies. They did lose by 60. I, just, I didn't know, and, if, we, and, I know and, if we heard and, that the, the other and, time I said and, that. And it could have been worse. But I'm also an interest of fairness guy. And, and I, I just think this feels so unfair. Oh, it did. Um, and and I'll be honest, Tony. I I don't see literally any scenario anymore where UC gets a bite at the apple. I, I don't. I don't because of how the other conferences have shaped up. Yeah. And look, the doomsday in all of this is Clemson beating Notre Dame the yeah. next time around yeah. because then the door's completely shut. Yes. Because um, then it's at least a Big Ten. It's maybe both of them, and it's at least an SEC yeah. and probably a secondary SEC yeah. having a choice. And then Oregon back in the mix right. too. I just I I honestly worry at this point, and, and call me crazy. I don't think Ohio State gets six games in. I think they do. I think – I don't think it's what's on their schedule. I, I think they do. Because from an 18, 19, 20-year-old standpoint, you're sitting there with one win. It's the holidays. Like, UC – I watched UC last Friday night. Players couldn't even be on the field with their parents for senior right. night. Parents had to sit in the stands. They're taking it serious. That's, that's how serious they're yep. taking it. Now this week, you're telling me that kids on a bad team aren't going to go home for Thanksgiving – Kids on a bad team aren't going to go out Wednesday, the night before when, Thanksgiving. The, the biggest, the biggest night. party night of the year. Yep. They are. And we saw the surge we're in right now after what? Halloween. Uh-huh. Big party night. There will be mass cancellations in the next few weeks. I am betting 
that one of those cancellations will be an Ohio State game. That'll be interesting. And we'll see a five-win Ohio State team in the college football playoff. That would be quite interesting. Very interesting. Um, all right, so you think UC shakes out at where tomorrow then? Seven? Eight? Seven, eight. Yeah, I think that's probably and right. I think And I think when you watch it shake out tomorrow night, you'll look at the two teams behind them and be like, oh, boy. And one of them's Oregon. One of them be Oregon. One of them be Northwestern. One of them be Northwestern. And you look at Oregon's schedule, it's like, ah, they're not going to be tested. They're not. I, I just looked. I was, I was trying to see if they had an open date on the 5th. They do not. They play Cal yeah. that day. They've got uh, – here's what Oregon's got left. Nobody ranked. Uh, they got uh, Oregon State uh, this week, and beat they were down. allowed to beat Cal. And beat then they down. play Cal, which was beat which down. lost to Oregon State. And then they've got Washington at home. I don't know if that's a beat down, but it's still they're better than Washington, too. So they so they finish six and zero before they go to the to the I, I'm assuming the Pac-12 is having a championship yeah. game. So I think you, I think you we 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 watch that tomorrow and like oh boy yeah because to no fault of their own after this Temple's not going to move the needle for UC to, to rise Tulsa's above not anyone. Tulsa's going to be a challenge. Tulsa's going to be a scary game. Don't get me wrong, they'll, but, they'll, but it's not going to move the needle Tulsa by three scores. Yeah, it's not going to move the needle. It won't move the needle enough. That's a, that's a shame. Um, Unfortunate. Hey. The only chance that they legitimately have, it feels like, as crazy as this is, is by, by finding a way to schedule someone on that open date that would move the needle for them. And I just don't know who that could be. Because if it's, you not look at B, the, it's not BYU. If you look at the Pac-12, the only way that something happens in the Pac-12 is if there's a cancellation. Right, because everybody's already booked. So you would need Oregon, or maybe because of your Cal. connection to Mike Bone, maybe USC, for their opponent to cancel, and you slide in and say, hey, let's play. You know, we, we got a week... Because you're not – if a game gets canceled on a Wednesday or Thursday, you don't leave yourself much time. No, correct. So it, 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 it it's, it's so frustrating because, you know, what would have, would have simplified all of this is if the college football playoff committee said, you know what, like every other major sport, baseball had to alter things, basketball, this year we're going to make it eight teams. I, I've said this from the get-go. We're I, don't, gonna, I don't know why, why – all, why, why, Every why power team. five gets one, and then we do three wild cards. UC, BYU, and another from one. From a financial perspective, why you, not? you are getting more money for yes. the extra round. God, you imagine how easy you could sell that? Yes. It's just that, – that to me is baffling that we're sitting here and they didn't do that. I know they, they've dug their heels in. I, I just wonder if conference commissioners go, listen – Let's for this year. Let's 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 change this. Let's fix this. Let's make this different. And this way, we get people off our ass when they think we are shutting out the Cincinnati's and or the BYU's. Yep. I don't think both deserve to get in. I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that. I think one of them does. I think at least one of them does. I will right, we'll take a timeout. We continue a quick high school football segment because we still have high school football going on in the tri-state. Uh, did you want to mention that UK, UK lost by sixty? Who they play? Uh, Alabama. Are they any good? Uh, they're they're teetering on that four spot in the playoff. Oh, boy. That was ugly. <laughs> it, it was so funny, man. I, I don't get a lot of Saturdays where I can just sit and watch college football. I've always got something going on usually, whether it's a, a football game I'm broadcasting somewhere or, um, you know, basketball season had started for me. And we've, of course, had to shut that down for a couple of weeks because of because of our crazy governor. But anyway, uh, in the state of Kentucky. But yeah. anyway, um, so I had a great Saturday mapped out, man. I, so I got done with some work for, for the website by noon. I'm watching the Ohio State game, flipping between a couple of other games. All excited to watch UC at 3.30 and put that on. the You know, you got the channel change where I got Kentucky on the other yep. one, so I'm flipping back and forth. Kentucky's oh, hanging around, man. They're hanging. I'm like, all right, this is pretty good. This is this is awesome. 7-3, yeah. start the second quarter. They're knocking on the door. I thought, damn, go in and punch this in. Let's see if we can't make some fun out of this. Yeah. 
by the middle of the third quarter, I was driving up to get a thing of vodka and, and, and two big bags of ice because I'd had enough. I never switched. I never <laughs> switched over to the game. But I remember as UC was playing on the bottom scroll, you kept seeing it go up and, and up like and up. Seven three. Yeah. And defer, and I'm like, okay, Damn, oh, like, yeah. This hey, go beat them, Kentucky. That helps the Bearcats. <laughs> and then it was like, woo boy, what? What did that finish? Ooh, boy. 63 to 3? Yeah, it could have been worse. Mm. That's the weird part to it. Mm. I will right, we'll do one quick high school football segment when we continue. It's the Angry Quarterbacks podcast from ESP Media, powered by Sidearm Sports. Get the skinny on Cincinnati Sports with Richard Skinner, only on Local12.com and the Local 12 News app. Exclusive content, in-depth analysis, podcasts, and more. Cincinnati Sports News 24-7. Get the skinny only on Local12.com and the Local 12 News app. Alabama Fish Bar, the Taste of Cincinnati 2017 winner. Alabama Fish Bar located in Over the Rhine at 1601 Race Street, Cincinnati. Go to alabamafishbar.com to learn more about this 26-year-old staple serving the freshest fish in historic downtown Cincinnati. Open Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Closed all major holidays. Welcome back into the Angry Quarterbacks podcast. I'm Richard Skinner from Local 12 and Local12.com. He is Tony Pike, the real quarterback, and James Rapine from SI.com joined us in segment one to talk about the Joe Burrow injury and the fallout from that. Uh, we talked to college football, obviously, in the last segment. Quick high school football segment here is uh, we still have high school football being played in Kentucky where they just had the first round of playoff games this past weekend. There were... I think I read 20-some-odd schools that opted out Beachwood for got a COVID, buy. Buy, COVID reasons. Beachwood did get a buy, the school that I coach basketball at. We'll start in Class A, though, where Ludlow beat Dayton. They will advance to play Newport Central Catholic in the second round. That's probably a Newport Central Catholic victory in the waiting there. In 2A, as Tony mentioned, Beachwood had a buy. They'll play Lloyd, which came back to beat Newport 20-13. to um, Beachwood has probably a clear-cut path to at least the state semifinals. Walton Verona locally also got a victory. They beat Louisville Shawnee, which I think has not won a game since 2006. Mm. It has literally been a long, long time Holy for Shawnee. Lord. But Walton won 41-8 uh, there. In Class 5A, uh, no surprises, although I, I guess i got to give Highlands a little credit here. They got embarrassed by Moeller, a game we broadcast, yeah, they I broadcast. They followed it up with a win over Campbell County to conclude the regular season. Um, and, and then come back, and yes, they had run-ruled Connor earlier in the year in a game I did on TV as well. Uh, but still, to come back and win, good for them. They beat Connor 27-16, but alas, Lakua waits in round two, the Covenant Catholic Colonels, as they beat Cooper 36-8. to Remember that first go-around this year? We're like, man. Is, can, can they? Will is, they? Is, Might is they? The, is the, I think they were coming off the two shutouts. Yeah. One of those was over Connor. Is the, is the, the bridge... Is the gap closed? Is it the Brent Spence? Yeah. yeah. Have we closed the bridge? No. no, it's the Clay Wade, man, and everybody's crowded <laughs> on it. <laughs> That's for sure. And in 6A, obviously the game of the weekend, though, Simon Kenton got off to a 23-0 first quarter lead. It was actually 16-0. They onside kicked, went and got another touchdown, and you're thinking, wow, okay, yeah. Simon Kenton. And Dixie Heights rallies to win on a late touchdown, 34-33. Dixie will advance to the second round to play Ryle. I guess the big part is, uh, can Kentucky somehow, some way, squeeze in the playoffs? Are you concerned because of your fearless leader, my my quarterback? Yeah, Cam Hergett? No. Uh, which which for? Oh, my my fearless leader, Kentucky's the governor. Fearless leader. Uh, no, I I think they made it pretty clear that that they're trying to squeeze this fall season in. First of all. His announcement last week was anything but clear. No, it was it very confusing. felt like 24 hours of people not even knowing what was going on. It was on. quite confusing. Um, and, that, and the funny part was, I, <laughs> as I mentioned, I, I coach high school basketball at Beachwood, for full disclosure. And so the night of that announcement, we weren't sure we were allowed to practice that night. Our AD said, I got no guidance that says you can't go ahead and practice. Okay, mm-hmm. so then we thought, okay, the next day it's going to be shut down until the 14th. The next day comes, we get no guidance. Yeah. Go ahead and practice. We went in and practiced. 
And then obviously the guidance came that we're shut down to the 14th. There's some hope that we'll be able to do some small skill session stuff. And part of me, I'm once they push the season back to January 4th, I didn't want six more weeks of just practice anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I think I'm okay with some of this. But I think some of it is, okay, let's get the line of demarcation of football season ending. Yeah. Get that out of the way. Gives the athletes a chance to take a little break. Hopefully the surge is through at that point and we can play some basketball. But I just hope they finish yeah, the football I mean, if, season. If it gets to this, you can make a short jaunt right over the bridge, head up to Hilltop Park in Reading, outdoor. Outdoor. And get some work in like I'm, that. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm all good with that. Hey, I had a basketball hoop in my back, and I can remember those days where I have to go out and shovel the driveway off, mm-hmm. no gloves on. I'll even help you shovel. I'll lay I some appreciate salt. that. And we'll go up and play. Come up to Reading. I think we'll I do that. Hill, Hilltop Park. I, I think we'll do that. All right, Tony, any final thoughts on today's podcast? Other than that snazzy, uh, snazzy pullover you got going. <laughs> Enjoy. This is the closest that you're going to see a Super Bowl for a while, unless there is a big change at the top. Big week ahead. Uh, on College the, football on playoffs? The, on the downside, we're, we're probably going to find out more information about the extent of Joe Burrow's injury. And uh, on the other side, tomorrow we will find out about the college football playoffs. Where you see get screwed. And it'll be a terrible, terrible time. Other than that, have a great week. Appreciate everyone listening. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Tone. Yep. Happy Thanksgiving. Everybody. Nothing but happiness here in Cincinnati. Yeah, buddy. 2020. Oh, boy. For James Rapine, our executive producer, Rob Ebel, and Tony Pike, I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Angry Quarterbacks Podcast from ESP Media, powered by Sidearm Sports. But the coasts don't know is when the sun goes down the Midwest, we'll rise and take this town. You can put a black chip in the place of your mouth, as if you think the Midwest ain't as hard.